The Mormons are coming. The Mormons are coming. As if Paul Revere had been reborn, these words echoed throughout our household when I was young, as we prepared to lock down the house before they knocked on the door. Much like the standard procedure of a classroom during an intruder drill, we silently awaited the knock, the anxiousness that would follow, and the sigh of relief as they moved on to the next house. Why were we so scared? Why was I scared? Was it because they might have challenged my beliefs? As I matured my understanding of my faith and the reasons why I believe, I can't help but want to reach out to Mormons, rather than recoil in anxiety and fear. But unfortunately, I don't think they'll be knocking on my apartment door at Bancroft Bible Camp anytime soon. So what's the deal with Mormonism? Is it just another denomination of Christianity? Is it a cult? What should our response to it be? I want to go over some basic teachings of the Mormon prophets and their inspired works in hopes that your knowledge of Mormonism would be increased and you would be emboldened to engage in conversations with your Mormon friends. My other hope is that if any Mormons come across this blog, that God would open their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a cult? Esteemed apologist Robbie Zacharias defines a cult in a Christian sense as that which claims to be rooted in historic Christianity, but has deviated from or abandoned the finished work of Christ or compromised on his person. When we look at the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1, his definition for cult is as follows. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. In other words, Paul is saying, if someone comes to you and preaches you another gospel, then that means that person should be damned to hell. He goes on to say, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. With these definitions in mind, let's look at some basic teachings of the Mormon Church according to their prophets and leaders and see where they line up with Christian teaching. I want to look at three specific teachings. First, I want to look at the nature of God the Father. Secondly, the person of Jesus. And finally, the nature of salvation. Also, keep in mind that any of the teachings that I reference are pulled directly from official LDS material and publications, not some stereotypical anti insert religion here, hate website. I am not interpreting their documents, merely quoting them verbatim. So, number one, what is the nature of God? Well, according to Mormonism, Joseph Smith, the founder of the religion, said, We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and will take away and do away the veil so that you may see. He also says, God himself was once as we are now, and is an exalted man, and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. That is the great secret. Again, Joseph Smith says, Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves, and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you. And in the Doctrines and Covenants, it says, The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, the Son also, but the Holy Ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but as a personage of spirit, were it not so, the Holy Ghost could not dwell in us. Now, according to the Old and New Testament, it says in Psalm 90, verse 2, 
Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Isaiah 43.10 reads, Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Isaiah 44.6 says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. We see this also in Revelation, where Jesus was referred to as the Alpha and the Omega. And finally, we see in John 4.24, speaking to the nature of God, it says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Number two, who is Jesus? Now, according to Mormonism, Orson Hyde, who was one of their esteemed leaders in the 1800s, he said this, It will be borne in mind that once on a time there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and on a careful reading of that transaction, it will be discovered that no less a person than Jesus Christ was married on that occasion. If he was never married, his intimacy with Mary and Martha and the other Mary, also whom Jesus loved, must have been highly unbecoming and improper to say the best of it. In an LDS conference report in October of 1949, it read, During his pre-mortal life, Jesus Christ rose to the status of Godhood. At that time, he was foreordained to be the Savior of this world. Father Abraham was privileged to see and vision the grand council in heaven that was held prior to the peopling of this earth, and he saw, as the Lord showed him, quote-unquote, many of the noble and great ones. And finally, there are other beliefs concerning Jesus, such as his relationship to Satan as a spiritual brother in the true sense of the word, instead of his relationship between a creator and a creature, but perhaps that is a post for another day. Now, according to the New Testament, it says in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And finally, number three, how is one saved? How does one receive salvation? Now, according to Mormonism, it says in 2 Nephi 25.23, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren, to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved, after all we can do. In Moroni 10.32, it says, Yea, come unto Christ, and be perfected in Him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness, And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace ye may be made perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ, you can now in no wise deny the power of God. In the first chapter of the Articles of Faith, it reads, We believe that through the atonement of Christ all mankind may be saved, by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. We believe that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are, first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second, repentance, third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, fourth, laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Brigham Young wrote, I have taught for thirty years and still teach that he that believes in heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is the Christ and that Joseph Smith is his prophet to this generation, is of God. And he that confesseth not that Jesus has come in the flesh and sent Joseph Smith with the fullness of the gospel to this generation is not of God, but is Antichrist. He also later says that 
No man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. From the day that the priesthood was taken from the earth to the winding up scene of all things, every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are, I with you and you with me. I cannot go there without his consent. He holds the keys of that kingdom for the last dispensation, the keys to rule in the spirit world, and he rules there triumphantly. Now, according to the New Testament regarding salvation, it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul writes in Romans 3, 20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And later in the same letter, he writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I admit that many of the teachings that I've discussed are not found in what Mormons would consider their standard work of inspired scripture, which there are four of. Although the inspired doctrines on salvation raise many red flags. And I would be willing to admit that many professing Mormons do not know about many of these troubling teachings from their leaders, but therein lies the problem. These teachings, given not just by random people off the street, but rather esteemed prophets, apostles, and presidents within their church, including the founder of the entire religion, are not only at odds with the Bible, but with parts of the Book of Mormon itself, which Joseph Smith even called the most correct of any book on this earth and the keystone of our religion, a book by which a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than any other book. When your own leaders contradict your own supposed scriptures in many regards, how do you respond to that? How can supposed prophets of God contradict the Bible and even their own scriptures? Either they were prophets or they weren't. Would true prophets of God give teachings that contradict and muddle God's word? As it says in 1 Corinthians, God is not a God of confusion, so the answer must be no. Perhaps as a Mormon reading this blog, you might be saying, this isn't what Mormonism teaches, this is not what I learned on Sundays, we believe in the same God and the same Jesus. But the reality is, is that what you may think Mormonism teaches is not what the founders and leaders of the LDS Church are teaching and have taught for decades upon decades. Former president of the LDS, Gordon Hinckley, considered a prophet in the church, said the following, The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak, for the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. He, together with his father, appeared to the boy Joseph Smith in the year 1820, and when Joseph left the grove that day, he knew more of the nature of God than all of the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. He makes no bones about it. The Jesus of Mormonism is different than the Jesus of Christianity. There has been a departure from the original gospel. Paul urged the church in Thessalonica to stay firm when he wrote, To this he calls you through our gospel, that so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. The founders of Mormonism failed to heed this verse in its entirety. The reality of the matter is this. If one was to read only the Bible, no one would ever conclude what many of the Mormon prophets concluded. 
For one to draw conclusions such as we've discussed, one would have to add to the words of God and ultimately be deceived by Satan himself. When the foundation is found not on Christ but a mere man, the foundation will always crumble. Rest in the gospel of Christ, not in the gospel of a man. For many Mormons, they have grown up in the LDS church. They've been molded by it, and it's all they've ever known. It's much like someone who's grown up in a legalistic Protestant church. For someone to leave something that has been their entire life is a hard thing to do indeed. But my prayer is that God will open the eyes of people from all religious backgrounds, not just Mormonism, that a new heart will be given that results in a treasuring of Jesus Christ as supreme, a new heart that yearns to leap into the true God's arms where all may find rest.